Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our new podcast host for Purgatory, Erica. Hey, filthy fam. (laughs) (laughs) I sound like a game show host, but... I'm very excited about this new podcast, Welcome to Purgatory. And my guest on this episode is E with a K. That's right. I sit down with E with a C and we talk about the Purge movie and my initial thoughts. I hadn't seen the movie until you made me watch it. (laughs) Gun to the head. Except not really, but like metaphorical gun to the head. Basically gun to the head. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's a very interesting conversation and we wanted to share it with y'all as a fun bonus episode. So sit back, relax, uh, watch The Purge if you haven't already. You might actually like it. I think they would. And, you know, ironically, it has a lot to do with the stuff that we talk about on the show in terms of class. And, you know, we did a couple episodes. giving you a sneak peek of what we think of, well, what E with a C thinks of The Purge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hope you guys like it. Make sure you share with your friends. This is a new podcast that E with a C is doing. And, you know, just show her some love. Thanks, everyone. Uh, We're going to break for an ad really quick and then stay tuned for the conversation. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into Welcome to Purgatory. I'm your host, Erica, an average Purge fan, and I'm here with my guest, Erica, also Erica. She is the co-host of Unpack Fails, which I co-host with her, and we're more distinguishable on that podcast. (laughs) Welcome, and thank you for joining me on this. Um, Could you please tell us about yourself? Hi, Purge folk. (laughs) um i'm erica also known as e with a k on unpacked filth with i don't know what you call yourself i guess just erica on this show okay yeah great yeah i don't know what to say about myself other than the fact that i'm a dog mom um my background is in psychology and sales and a whole bunch of other stuff yeah i'm just living the dream out here so watching the purge on command when she tells me to (laughs) I've been forced. Actually, she held me up at gunpoint and was like, you're going to watch this fucking movie. <laughs> I said, like, this is our version of The Purge. Here we go. <laughs> Despite that, <laughs> I'm really glad that you agreed to do this with me. And we're going to be talking about the first Purge movie today, which is simply called The Purge. Confusingly, there's another movie in the franchise called The First Purge. It's not that. It's just The Purge. <laughs> Before we continue our conversation. I want to note to the audience that we will not be doing a scream, a scene by scene recap of the movie, but rather a discussion of overall themes that we took away and feel the impact in our day to day. So coming back to our purge talk, um, what is your familiarity with the purge? Yeah, so I did not fall into the hype when the movies first came out. I I took it as a horror movie and I don't really do a lot of scary horror suspense typically. Um, It's just not my scene. And also I'd like to know what's going to happen. I don't like suspense. So I skipped out on it. And then recently you were talking to me about it in between recording for our show. And 
I kind of knew like the gist of it, like crime is legal, but I just didn't really get like the full, I don't want to say full frontal, but (laughs) the full scope of the movie. And so I decided to just dive in, kind of go into your world a little bit. And I was pleasantly surprised. Can you tell us your initial thoughts on the movie? I tried to suss it out of you earlier today and you were like, nope, cheating. So I'm very curious to hear your initial thoughts. Yeah, so my initial thoughts of the movie, um, first of all, was very well done. Um, I think the uh, actors in the movie and what's his name? Um, James Griffith. What? Um, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Why do I want to call him James Griffith? Who is that? <laughs> James is his name in the movie. I don't know who James Griffith is, though. I'm going to look it up while you tell me your thoughts. Yeah, so James in the movie, um, I thought it was very interesting how he was just like this all-American like guy who just made it in sales. I guess he was selling the um, security systems. And I like how they established the dynamics in the movie with his family and subsequently like his daughter and his wife and it just seemed like they were like not perfect family but just regular you know what I mean so I really like that the movie established that and then like further and further like you got to see different motivations so I was really entrenched in it I really liked it overall and it wasn't too suspenseful so like if you're like me well I guess if you're listening to this podcast like you're not like me and you love this shit but (laughs) If you know anybody like me who may or may not want to listen or watch The Purge, I would encourage them to do it. There was a lot of takeaway from it, specifically how we as people kind of follow what is established and don't really question it. And then like, it was the sun, I think that like kept pulling them back into like humanity. And so I really like that overarching theme of the movie. And so I liked it. It was, it was good stuff. I understand it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I brought you into this. Because I remember telling you, I'm like, it's a B movie at best. <laughs> but I'm glad I brought you into this world. But yeah, do you have a character that you related to? And it's fine if you don't. I think that the person that I related to the most was James. And then... Yeah, I think James, the main character I related to the most, mainly because um, he just very simply wanted to just exist in the world how it is and like just do what needed to be done. Um, Identified with him as far as like just doing what needed to be done for his family and like just keeping them safe. You know, overall, like you could tell that he cared, like he just cared about his family. And then the rest of the world was just like, we're just, we're going to do it. Like, we're just going to rock with it, which is just kind of how I am um, personally. So, yeah, I, do you think I should, or is there a character you think that was in the movie that was like me? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Mostly because I think a lot of the characters are terrible. Hmm. Yeah, I would probably, like, say James as well. Like, I shit talk James a lot, but (laughs) just based on, like, when you look at James, he just kind of is, like, here's my opportunity. I'm going to take it, and we're going to provide a life for my family, and I'm just going to, like, make my way in the world. That's just the way it is, and I'm going to find, like, how I can not only survive in it, but, like, do my best for my family. Yeah, because I think what 
I mean, I knew you were the type of person to shit talk James. It's fine. Like not everybody's like James, but um, <laughs> I, I think that you could just tell that he, you know, a lot of times in these movies, like you see the main character and then you see like their character flaw, which we can get into later. But I mean, for the most part, he's just a dude like, like very, like he wanted to do family dinners. Like he wanted to like still have a connection with his kids. Like, I think that that's what the purge did well was just establish that these are just regular folk. Um, and then we'll get into like the other stuff later, but I, I really can appreciate his personality and like, you know, being in the thick of it, especially, and just trying his best, which I think we all do really. I can see that. I have like a slight, slightly bit more appreciation for James now, but it's still, <laughs> I'm still not rocking with him. Going with like just the characters, did you have anyone that you like absolutely hated? Like you wish they were never on screen? Uh, in thinking about it, not really. I mean, I knew from the jump that blonde lady, I can't remember her name right now, but I knew she was, she was a fucking hater. She served her purpose though. You know what I mean? So I, there's no one... I think all the characters like they serve some type of like reason behind them being there so I don't wish that anybody was not there you know provide the layers oh my god I just had her name the blonde lady and I quickly forgot it but because she's she's a very important character but also very forgettable like she can stand in for any like fake smiling white lady but <laughs> yeah definitely like never eat cookies from her because she gave Mary a um tray of cookies at the beginning of the movie and I don't know I was like mm, that's suspicious on um, purge night oh no <laughs> I was like bitch don't eat them cookies <laughs> that's what I mean like with the the whole like uh horror aspect of just like mm, those cookies mm -mm, don't eat those <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> We're going to get into the meat of our episode. We're going to talk about like what your main takeaway theme was from this movie. Because at the glance of it, it seems like, you know, a bit pretty standard like home invasion horror movie with the twist of crime being legal for 12 hours. But the more you watch it, the more layers it has. And you can find like little layers in the details. So I'm curious to see what yours takeaway was. Okay, so I mean, if you listen to our podcast, which I'm sure none of these people have, but like I just kind of hit you with it. So I hope I don't like skip ahead or anything. But the overarching theme for me is like how the youth <laughs> will save us all <laughs> because they for like, okay, so in the movie, um, you can tell like the the kid, the young son, he was like. I don't like this whole purge situation. Like he didn't say anything about it, but he was just like, I don't really rock with this and it's wrong. And so the parents were just like, you just don't remember what it was like before. Like it was really bad. And so they came up with this solution. So the overarching theme is like the, somehow like we have to be reminded of our humanity and it comes in these fresh eyes, like these, this new um, innocence. But then it also has this theme of like this loss of innocence and humanity and not just with the kids, but also with James and his wife. Like again, James and them were just trying to go along with it and just like doing the best that they could. And you really saw when the, you know, the invaders came 
Can I call them the invaders? I don't know if they had a, a specific name. They were called polite stranger and freaks. So you call them whatever you want to. So the freaks and the geeks try to um, bust up in the house, right? You could tell like, okay, the theme of this was all these like fake smiles and like elitism. Like they, he even said in the movie, like they're highly educated. They're like, you know, he had on his blazer in the movie, like really, you know, Lottie Daw, like very good quote unquote reputable or um oh i they mostly said like i know you're good people like us and you support the purge like us yes that part they were people who were quote unquote good and they had like this twisted like we're better than everybody therefore we have the right to purge so there was a lot of that language in it like this is my right as an american and you can see those themes in this current climate where we have elite people who think that just because the law is written a certain type of way that allows them to abuse and manipulate and like force their way in to people's lives and just so they can be comfortable and they can purge themselves and be pure you know because that was a lot of the language I really appreciate the movie and like the specific language that they used in the scenes and the dialogue yeah and I I'm not sure if um, James DeMonico, the director, the person who came up with this concept, was thinking like long term, but you can see it throughout the rest of the franchise about like the language that the elites use and how they justify this act, this um, night of violence. I'm sorry, the freaks and the geeks. Perfect. I also like didn't really notice. I've seen this movie like so many times. I didn't notice that dude was wearing a blazer to purge. What a pretentious apple. Well, I think even so, even James was wearing his suit the whole time. And like slowly, like he started taking it off. Um, Like, so he, when the purge first started, he was still in his work clothes, which I mean, for me, this is, if we're going to parallel real life, if the purge was happening, like I would be in like, my leggings and like some badass gear like just in case you know some tennis shoes in case shit pops off you know but I really saw how like slowly but surely like the the collar got a little looser like he was like doing what he needed to do um and even with the the freaks and the geeks that's what I'm gonna call them (laughs) the freaks and the geeks came in with their um because they made it a point they said that they were going to they're dressed in their finest to purge and their purity. And so I really appreciated a lot of like the little details in the movie. Yeah, this is a low budget film, which I'm going to say for everyone who um, comes on this show and we talk about the very first purge movie, I'm going to remind everyone like this is a low budget film. It was $2 million. Ethan Hawke, like he accepted a salary cut and got points on the back end so he would make residuals because they're like we got a low budget we can't afford your salary and he like crashed with the director while they were filming this so the fact that they have like all these little details for you to pick up on and to like tie in together I think is fascinating yeah I agree and I mean now that you say that I mean not that I could tell it was low budget I mean I thought it was shot very nicely but um for the purge I just I appreciated how raw it was like it really was trying to tell the story of 
like a mirror of what is happening like you were saying like for weeks now <laughs> and I was like oh I get why she likes this because it's it's definitely like a more overt like you know think of what all the good the purge does and like the and I also noticed in the beginning of the movie how the the crimes were escalating and how they were showing the graphic nature of the crimes and I felt bad because like there is this desensitization that happens with the purge which I think the adults had and that's why I feel like the theme is like the children have fresh eyes and you could tell like with the daughter she was really like out of it like she really didn't care I think she had like was um resentful of her father because of the damn boyfriend who we can talk about that if you want if that's in the um the lineup but yeah you could just tell that the these young kids were just like okay whatever but then when the trouble arrives on their front doorstep it really like makes them see with their own eyes how barbaric this is and how wrong it is um to do this yeah I can definitely see that and like you said like you can see Gen Z confront this shit more than maybe even our generation um if you are on TikTok which I know you're not um if you're on TikTok you can see like mostly Gen Z and like younger millennials confronting um, the traditions that our parents passed on to us, the way society tells us the real world looks like. And it is something about like having fresh eyes and saying we're not going to take this anymore. So I just talked a little bit about how I see that theme playing out on TikTok. Can you tell me how it affects you like on the day-to-day basis or even like weaves in and out of your life? Absolutely. So I think with The Purge, it resonates for me because there is and was, especially with like last year and the uprisings and all that stuff that happened in the last several years, really, of this like passe attitude of like, well, we're just going to go with whatever is here. And so for me in my life, like, I feel like I was like the daughter where when the trouble arrived and like shit was happening and it started to affect you and even like your loved ones like people around you like that's when you become I'm gonna say radicalized but like she really just had to save her family in that moment but um you become more radicalized and you have to actually do something and to confront the things that are scary in order to stop what's happening and so for me, I thought that that's, that's how I paralleled it in my life because I personally, I won't say like I didn't care, but I knew that things would happen in the real world and we'd talk about it and like whatever. But I, I was like, oh shit, like you actually have to do something in order to make your change happen or to have something go in the opposite direction of what is taking place like you can't sit back and let it happen and I mean this is life and death in the purge but I mean just in my in my life and I'm sure other people's lives being complacent is gonna leave us this is so extreme but being complacent like will kill people (laughs) I don't think you're wrong there and I um I'm pretty sure we've talked about like how is what we're witnessing right now any less violent than the purge because um, there are big issues that people have a sense of complacency about. 
the number one issue I can think of is climate change. And that definitely will kill us all. We're at year zero. There's no more time left to not do anything. Like we spent all our time with complacency and the disasters are already here. I don't know if you wanted to say anything more on that theme before getting into the next question. Uh, We'll just continue on. Well, my next question was, um, do you think that you have to be confronted with a sense of danger to really have your like fresh eyes or like have your complacency pulled into action? Or do you feel this is something people just do altruistically? We're going to talk about altruism and the purge. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because I mean... Charlie from the outside like it looked like he did a truly altruistic act by letting in so they call him the bloody stranger in this movie the man does have a name in the rest of the franchise his name is Dante we're gonna call him Dante yes so I feel that in in systems that are already happening I think that people people are less altruistic. Like we're not going to go out of our way, like how the son did. What's his name? Charlie. Charlie. Um, I'm just not good with remembering names actually. So I'm sorry, but um, just like Charlie in the movie, I think that that part of our innocence kind of dies away as we're trying to function in society. And so I don't, I, to answer your question, I don't think that people are are naturally altruistic in the sense that like if in these extreme times especially like with we'll say the uprisings because that's like what's happening in our current world um like no one cared (laughs) until um people friends family were just like this affects people like hello like hi can you guys like get off your ass and like get change happening and so we kind of just ignore it until somebody or something happens to make us move Hmm. I don't know if that's a very I don't know how to feel about that because like I feel like you're very correct in that assessment but then it just makes me think that humanity is doomed which (laughs) completely bums me out because like there are people on the front lines trying to fight climate change trying to fight racial justice and for all like the small victories that seem to happen and the crumbs that people seem to get in these movements the systems themselves seem much bigger so what what is your feeling about like these individual acts that are achieving some results versus these systems that they're trying to topple? Um, It's just like Charlie in the movie. I mean, out of what, 12 or so people, like he was the only one to do the right thing. And so like progress did happen. Like they saved one and that is great and I don't want you to think that the world is doomed but I think that like realistically how I see it is that um again people tamp down like our natural like caring like children like young children are naturally like considerate 
I mean, in my opinion, I don't know if that's fact, but um, they're a lot more kinder, a lot more willing to share, a lot more willing to like understand. And so like that falls away as we plug along in these systems. So how I see it is like Charlie is, is a parallel to the small movements and even like the small change that we are seeing. And it's allowing people to wake up because it took Charlie to have everyone in the family like say like, hey, we need to save this dude. And even James was like, you don't just let somebody in the house. Like you don't know like what they're doing. And we all have that. Like, we don't know what they're doing over there. Like, we are not sure about this group of people, um, which is a, a theme in the movie as well. But I think it's really interesting that Charlie was like, he was asking for help and nobody was helping him. And so Charlie was like, I want, I had to be the one, like I was there, I heard him, I had to act. And so again, one out of all the people and like discounting the fact that they're adults, but just all the people taking place, like nobody was going to help this dude. Yep. Um, I was also thinking too, like when people talk about like characters that they hated or characters, like a lot of people talk about Charlie, but Charlie did the right thing in this. And it's really, um, I can't think of another word besides interesting how like these people that are pushing for change that make um, others in the status quo or benefiting from the status quo very uncomfortable are demonized until it's time to be on the right side of history. Like <clears throat> James was like, no, we like we have to save the family. We can't think about this man. Like we don't know what he's in this house for. You know, maybe he's being purged for a reason. I think he said that. I'm pretty sure he said that at some point. Um, you know, like the purge does a lot of good, and it wasn't until the very last 20 minutes of the movie he's like, "Nope, we're gonna fight." And we're not going to let the freaks and the geeks take this man out of our house and kill him. Now, I don't know if it was because um, Mary and the kids are like, we want nothing to do with you after you just stabbed this man in his wounds. Or he like truly was like, oh, Charlie did the right thing. But either way, it got to the result that Charlie wanted. Yeah. And I mean, the family and, you know, in parallel, some people are not wrong for wanting to prioritize their own safety and their own preservation, right? Like you open the gate in the purge of your house and all the fuckery came into the home, right? Um, and they were going to force their way in. And that's another thing. I mean, this movie has a lot, but like, you know, the systems that are in place, like we're talking about the real world now. So I tend to flip-flop and I tend to ramble if you're not familiar with me, but um, the, the, the trouble eventually will come to your doorstep. And so then you're, you're conflicted. Like the wife was conflicted the whole time of like her natural instinct of like, I don't want to do this, like scared, like not knowing what to do, but she just had to be stronger and find the will to um, protect her family that kicks in but like she was complacent but wasn't saying anything and I think like the wife is a parallel to all the regular people 
in the world that are seeing these things happen, these atrocities, this bullshit. And they're just like, it's fucked up, but I mean, I'm not going to say nothing. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a, there's a, there's a piece of society in each one of these characters, which I found really interesting. Yeah, I think there's just so much you can take away from the purge, but I think in this case, um, yeah, Mary's a great example of just going along to get along until the danger shows up at your door. And I think that's why earlier I was like, oh my God, are you saying humanity is doomed? Because how many of us are going to be confronted with these dangers? Because there's so much happening. There's so much there. The whole system has basically got to go because each atrocity, each disaster that we are trying to prevent and trying to mitigate, they're all intertwined with each other. So everything in the system needs to topple. But how many people are one, going to be confronted with these dangers and two, willing to do something about it because doing something about it might mean changing your whole life. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, devil's advocate, I mean, with Mary and just like other people who are looking at this character, like there's all these issues and the issues are paralleled in the movie as the freaks and the geeks, the homeless guy coming in, even like your family dynamic and how they're dealing with the purge. Like it's easier to preserve your sense of self and things that matter to you because there's, oh, it's, there's overwhelming problems. And so to like, to will yourself to care about all this other stuff in the world, I'm not going to say that it's hard, but it does it does make you have to step outside of yourself. And a lot of people aren't willing to really do that, which is why we perpetually have these systems. And it's going to, and it takes such extremes before you act in my opinion. And then um, I was going to say like with the boyfriend, but we'll get to him. (laughs) I have things. (laughs) I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the boyfriend too. God just good um I'm still kind of caught up on like (laughs) the purge showing like an act of altruism in these systems and I don't know what do you think like altruism will look like in our system do you think that's such a thing this is a lot. So take, um, take climate change, for example, right? And this is our current system. Um, you have people and like in the overarching thing of, of climate change, like there are billion dollar businesses that should be doing more to like less, like, um, make sure that their carbon footprint is lower, like their waste is decreasing and all this other stuff that you could do. Um, And I guess like there is acts of altruism. I mean, you have people who are like, we need to recycle. We need to find alternatives. There are businesses being created as we speak to lessen the amount of plastic that we're using. You have, um, for example, Four Ocean who is cleaning the oceans. It's a, um, 
I don't know if you've heard of it, but Four Ocean, they have a they have a campaign where they just basically they go out to all these um these we call them trash islands in the middle of the ocean and they clean the ocean and they use like recycled particles to make uh, jewelry um, for people to buy and, and fund the cause. And so like you have these regular everyday people like, oh my gosh, like this is so amazing, blah, blah, blah. But then how many of those people are recycling? How many of those people are, are asking their government officials to make change. So you see like these acts of altruism and they're like, oh my God, good for you. This is so amazing. And then you have regular ass motherfuckers. Like you don't know what, they, what they're doing. Like people who support the cause, like, yes. But then there are people who are like, yes, I see that. That's amazing. Good for you. But nothing else is being done. You know what I'm saying? So like there's small acts of altruism but it's not enough. Like, like I said, it's like Charlie, like he's one out of 12, like we're one, two, me and you out of 7 billion. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking too, like when you brought up like the billion dollar companies who should be doing something, but aren't, um, and the fact that this movie takes place in like an upper upper middle class slash very wealthy neighborhood and how they could be doing something to like clearly James's house is big enough to lose his children in (laughs) and to lose a whole stranger in (laughs) so he could like if he listened more to his kid you know they could have made preparations to um take in like some of the vets because Dante like they focus a lot on his dog tags and Dante was a vet so like could have done that he could have been doing more but um he didn't so can't like trying to think of the best way to ask the, the question of um I'm really trying to figure out like the correlation of like these good deeds and wealthy neighborhoods and just wealthy people in general how that looks and like why are we still expecting them to save the world that's an interesting question so the question is why are we expecting people with money and access and power and a little bit of influence to help the less fortunate yes and kind of why they don't because they have the resources to do these good deeds. And why not? Well, it's like I was saying, like with Mary, like her immediate surroundings were safe. And and it's just like what James said when they took in or when um, Charlie let Dante in, he was just like, why would you let this stranger into our home like what's in it for I mean not he didn't say what's in it for you but just like what is the reason besides like oh I did a good thing and so like with these people with money and access and the ability I mean they have like a whole gated community so like no one's really talking about like how the the freaks and the geeks were affluent as well so they had access to this neighborhood so the outside shit that's even worse and I'm sure it's in the other purge movies didn't come into this community. You know what I mean? Like they, it wasn't really there. 
the the neighbor who was like oh so and so is going out to purge like that's interesting and then you just you're on to the next so I think that why don't they it's because again it's easier to just protect your own like why would you why and this is just devil's advocate I don't think this but why would you ruin your situation for the unknown because Dante came in and he bought like all this other shit with him and that's not his fault but that's what happened like when you bring other people into your situation your family or your your wealth or the resources that you could share they bring their bullshit and so when you have elitist people who don't really in the day-to-day care about the ins and outs of poor people they're not really going to understand it let alone like try to like sit down and like what are the issues that you're having and that's why the conversations are so hard with change it's just like okay we're gonna help so you sit down and they're just there's all this stuff and you're just like okay this is like probably way more than I wanted to help with like let me just pick this one thing or let me just like bow out like I'm not I don't want to do it so again devil's advocate I'm not saying that this is right but I'm just thinking like in terms of the movie and how it parallels to like these people and the billionaires that exist and the millionaires that exist it's easy for them but it's just like you save one and then other people are expecting you to save everybody else and that's like the argument is it right I don't think so I think that if you have money and resources what does it matter if you have to give away some of those resources you're still going to be rich you know what I mean like at the end of the movie James and his family still had their big ass fucking house, you know, and, and the shit like happened. And hopefully they will sell that house because their neighbors tried to purge them and they killed Jake. Well, no, I guess the freaks did, but still. Yeah. And I mean, unless, and we're not even talking about the fact that Dante, like, he could have like saw that the white lady and her posse were coming to purge the family. No one was checking for him. He could have dipped. He was alive. He didn't have to do shit. He did. Um, spoiler, I guess. I, I'm sure you gave the spoilers before, but he 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 put himself on the line to help the family and. I don't know how many people would do that. Like after they like really tried to like give him up, you know what I'm saying? And um, I thought that was interesting. So it's just, why don't the elite help more? I think that Well, not just why don't the elite help more, but why do we keep expecting them to as well? When obviously, like, if you take away Charlie from his family, Charlie ain't got no resources. He's 12. Dante didn't have a whole lot of resources. He was trying to run for his life. Exactly. Sorry, there was um noise outside of the apartment. But anyway, um, why do we expect them to? I mean, because they can, like, 
you know, take the middle class, for example, like you have people that are like, oh, we should feed the homeless or like, you know, every Christmas there's like giving trees. What are they, what do you call them? They, I think they're called the giving trees. <laughs> or angel trees. It depends on angel, what. <laughs> angel trees. You have them with angel trees and like feeding the homeless and stuff. And like, there's only small, you know, we can only do small acts with, with our limited resources, but when people have an abundance of money and wealth, it's kind of like, you can, and you can still be rich. Like you're, it's a drop in the hat for them. That's why we expect it. It's like, it doesn't do anything to your bank account other than like, maybe like you don't want to spend that money, but you can and still be fine. Um, and I feel like it goes into the conversation of like, okay, you become successful and eventually like you make more and more money and you have more and more access property, just shit that you can do. And it's, it's this like, um, it's this expectation that people will somehow dissolve their ego to help the rest of us because getting shit and like acquiring wealth when you already, like you don't need anything else. You don't need, you know, an extra yacht or whatever, you know, you don't need to go like to fly to Mars. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to do all of that. Why not spend your resources? So we're, so regular ass people are kind of expecting these people to let go of some of that ego in my opinion that's just how I see it yeah it's it's a weird thing where we expect like billionaires and those with resources and everything to be able to let go of their ego more than we as regular folks people who don't have access to like mega yachts we're also not great at letting go of our ego um even if it is to do altruistic things so for me like expecting billionaires to pick up our slack is expecting them to be um like an uber human and being able to be the best of us when in fact they were either born into their wealth or they just had like they got extremely, extremely lucky. Like this idea of self-made as I've been showing you on like many TikTok videos. I'm so sorry, it's made me with the TikToks. <laughs> self-made is not real. Like these people usually have a leg up. So we are basically expecting them to go against their instincts because they're expecting help from within and not really taught to um send their resources to those who need it the most yeah I was watching something and it's it was about Simone Biles um and it was basically like this is an example of like how when one person makes it in say a marginalized community And all of a sudden they become like this beacon of hope and they have like that hope and stuff like put on their backs. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, like Simone Biles, for example, is just one girl. 
And so like with these billionaires, like not that I want to like cake for billionaires, like I, I don't, but if you like in this conversation and thinking about it, like it's a, it's hard to ask people who were sometimes they were born into it. Yes. But if they actually like built their wealth up, like even Jeff Bezos, like, I don't know his backstory, for example, but like he started out in his garage, you know what I mean? And so like now people are like, he has billions, like the beacon of hope for like humanity should rest on Jeff Bezos's back. Kind of like, that's how people feel. And I don't, I'm not sure if that's right or wrong or whatever, but it's an interesting conversation when you're talking about who, who is able to usher other people in to help them because they can, like I said earlier, but it's just like, eh, that's a lot. Like, it's a lot to be like, save humanity. <laughs> yeah, but when we're talking about billionaires, I'm like, you can just do what Mackenzie Bezos does and like give away your wealth so fast that you're, you kind of bring yourself from billionaire to millionaire and things like she gives away her wealth away like all the time I'm it seems like they're good causes but I haven't actually done any deep dives onto it I don't know I Mackenzie Bezos left Jeff so it seems like she has good judgment I'm not gonna gonna question her too much but at the same time like anybody can make a the mistake of like looking at a company's mission statement and thinking that they're doing a good job. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I really want to talk about this boyfriend. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, do you have anything else to say about the theme? Otherwise we're just going to move to like what the fuck moments, like just things about the movie that are like bananas. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about the theme. The bananas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Here they come. Give it to me. Okay, so this boyfriend, I I thought that that was like the most surprising because I thought he was going to purge her. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. I was like, um, this is a front, especially when he was like, or she said, tell me you love me. And he's like, let's growl. And I was like, that's weird. That's fucking weird. I was like, this dude, he's not on the up and up, whatever. Um, and then when he went to go and try to (laughs) confront the dad, James, I was like, oh, and it's so extreme. And the reason why I want to talk about him is because like, it is an overarching theme in the movie. For example, like they decided that the most, the best option for America is to like, just kill poor people. Like that's it. And so like it parallels to the boyfriend because he was just like, I really love this girl. And this dude is standing in my way (laughs) of being with this girl, this dude being her father. That's, you know, I don't understand why you would like, kill her dad and expect her to be like oh yes like we can be together fuck me or whatever why does that make sense to you but it's such an extreme and so it I feel like they put that in there 
I mean, for shock value, a- absolutely. And to usher in the plot, absolutely. But it is a parallel that needs to be discussed. Like this is such an extreme solution to such a altruistic problem. Like it's easy if people, if the wealthy people just got together and like, let's build a better society. The boyfriend could have been like, let me just talk to your dad for real. And just be like, listen, I know I'm old. I'm not a creep. I just really like your daughter. Simple conversation, meet in the middle, but no, I'm gonna shoot you. That's fine. Also, they made such a big deal about this boy's age. I'm like, your daughter is 16. That boy is 18. They definitely met in school. Like, this is one of those relationships where she's probably a junior in high school. He's about to go off to college. Like, it will fade in time. Maybe. But, yeah, so I was was just confused. I was like, what the fuck? type of situation is it so that threw me for a loop um also the freaks and the geeks man um he shot his friend like that was wild like what and I think like what's interesting is the friend because you remember the part I'm talking about when they were talking at the door and the friend was just like saying whatever he's like let us in or something or talking shit and he shot him he's just like I don't condone that type of behavior so like I was like, this is interesting that you have these classes people and they have their own, like, well, the dude had his own set of morals and code, you know, but I was like that, that's interesting that he was just like, we don't, we don't treat our own like that. But very quickly, James and the family was like, you're now my enemy because you won't give me what I want, which is. I mean, the powers that be, I mean, honestly. Yeah, that's classic, like, rich, rich white kid syndrome, like, well, I thought we were cool, guess I gotta kill you. (laughs) Right. I feel like there were so many, like, what the fuck moments in this movie. Um, I'm gonna tell you one of my what the fuck moments. It was when I rewatched this movie and I was like, is that Lena Headley? Is that seriously being a regular? I didn't even realize that. Huh. For someone who didn't watch Game of Thrones, I had no, I mean, I watched Game of Thrones and I didn't even notice. It's the cheekbones. She has like those cheekbones, the classic Cersei cheekbones. I didn't realize it the first time I watched it. And I watched it like um, five, six years ago, whenever like the election movie came out. Um, and I realized it. I was like, oh, who's that lady? She looks familiar, but I can't place her. And then I watched it again. I was like, that's fucking Lena Headley. And all we took away with, from it is that Ethan Hawke is here. Exactly. So <laughs> surprises everywhere around every corner. <laughs> I really enjoyed the purge. I, I understand why you like it. Um, so after watching this movie, would you continue watching the franchise? And why or why not? I would probably watch the um the first purge 
And again, like, I still can't take the suspense and stuff. Like, it really, like, freaks. I had to, like, walk away a couple times and be like, all right, this is too much. <laughs> and then come back and be like, okay, I can finish. So, like, I would watch the first purge because I want to know, like, the backstory and stuff. But, um, I mean, I would need somebody to watch it with me. <laughs> we can always watch it together over Zoom if you want to watch it. But, yeah. Um... If you ever decide to dabble in the TV series, the first season is just like one long purge night and it's stressful. <laughs> yeah, that stress is, is a lot, man. So, I mean, I don't know if I'd watch the TV series, but I would watch another movie. Yay. I'm glad. I, I don't know. Whenever I'm like, oh, everybody needs to see the whole but the first, I highly recommend the first Purge, not the first movie in the franchise, the first Purge. Confusingly, the fourth movie. <laughs> Love to see it. So <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. And I think that the first Purge would provide a lot of context and really like because the figureheads, you know, the new founding fathers or whatever, like those are still a mystery. They're kind of like a mysterious group of like, I just picture people in cloaks. <laughs> oh my God. I kind of want you to watch election year too, but like definitely the first purge will tell you everything you need to know about the new founding fathers. Um, you would get cloaks in the election year. One, <laughs> yes, yes. It's crazy um yeah I think you will definitely like the first purge I'm just glad my um my instincts that there was there are cloaks involved it was correct but I'll check those out for sure that sounds good and I definitely hope you can give me your thoughts on those because those are wild um but do you have any parting thoughts before we leave Um, I just thought how the movie, it really is, everybody should watch it and people should kind of take a look at the fact that, um, we allow things in society to happen and take place and we still do have a choice. Like people can decide not to purge. People can decide to not participate. Um, and, you know, you leave yourself a little bit vulnerable because you're not in the action. But think about if a lot of people stopped wanting the purge, which I'm sure is like a movie somewhere, but where people like don't want the purge and like just didn't participate, then the system would kind of fall and fail. And so we do have a choice in, in, society even if we don't think we do that's my takeaway I like that and now I really can't wait for you to watch the fourth movie um before we go do you have any pluggables for us um as always I mean stream unpacked filth um streaming everywhere that you can find podcasts um my social media is nice and airy 21 all one word um and I have a YouTube channel that I want to fire back up, but it's going to be like crypto related. So if you like crypto content, then you might, 
I might be your girl. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, but that's it. I love you as always. And thank you for letting me come on. Thank you for joining me for the ride. And I really hope y'all like this episode. Um, right now we're only on Twitter at Purgatory Pod, but eventually I'll get some social media up and running beyond Twitter. Maybe Instagram. I don't know if I can handle a fifth Instagram, to be honest. I think Twitter would be awesome just because there's so much to talk about. So I, I will follow you on Twitter. Yes, thank you. Um, and thank you all for listening. We will catch you here next time to release the beast in a new way. Bye. Bye. Thank you.